Hey, and welcome back to Redeeming Disorder. Ryman Bledsoe here yet again with another episode and another catch-up yet again with someone who was previously on Redeeming Disorder. This week we've got Devin Villacampa with a very short catch-up. Very short catch-up uh, after a very short or somewhat short period of time of just a year and a half between his first time coming on Redeeming Disorder on a listener-based podcast, the same podcast in which Amanda Rabinowitz first appeared, and this interview, which took place just a year and a half after that. But a year and a half at that age, at a young age, Devin's a young guy, he's in his early 20s, can be significant speaking from experience, actually, you know, it was significant for me between survivor appearances. And I would venture to say for most people in their early twenties, there's a lot of change and a lot of development year after year. So this is a nice contrast to last week where AJ Mass was, you know, well into his forties and catching up with him year after year, it's not necessarily going to be a profound change in his perspective or his personality, but for someone like Devin Villacampa, it definitely can be. And in this case, there are some changes for the better that are fun to hear from him. So in this interview, Devin speaks to coming into himself and learning who he is and developing more of a comfort in his own skin as he gets into life, gets more removed from college, more removed from school, more removed from a lot of the challenges he had as a kid with bullying and social situations and self-acceptance. He's not by any means at the end of his journey, but he's into a successful course of therapy for the first time. You know, he had tried it before in high school and college. It never really gave the results he had hoped for. But when we talked in 2018, it was going well. And Devin was really finding that with the perspective that comes with age, he was able to look back on his former self, look back on his former challenges, look back at harsh things that were said to him or difficult moments he had, and have a healthier, more balanced, less reactive, freer perspective about it all. So I love hearing these changes year over year, hearing how mental health journeys unfold. That's why I've wanted to do all these catch-ups. I've got bad news and good news about this catch-up. So the bad news is the audio. The audio is not very good and <laughs> plenty of background noise in this interview. We switch from the clean lav mics to needing to mix in some of the audio from the atmosphere, the camera mic, and unfortunately in this interview, the atmosphere was outside. So you got birds, you got planes, you've got all kinds of things, but you also have Devin sharing a story of hope and of improvement and, you know, not night and day improvement, not end of the mental health journey. It's all good now improvement, but meaningful improvement and improvement by which he finds more freedom to live his life. So that's why I want to share this despite it being maybe the worst audio quality I've ever put up here on the podcast. It is a short one if you want to sit it out. You can always wait till next week, and the good news is next week we actually have one more catch-up with a great guest that I didn't know if we would have. I finally heard from him, so we do actually have one more catch-up. Last week I said this might be the last, but next week will be the last time we hear from a former guest of Redeeming Disorder talking in further depth about their story and about their journey. And I'll go ahead and spoil who that is, because you might want to go back and listen to his first appearance on Redeeming Disorder. It's Michael McRae. Michael McRae first showed up in our second listener-based podcast, so the episode after the first one that had Devin, 
And in that episode, he was sharing a story and something he wrote that was powerful and heavy and incredible of him to express and convey. So it deals with some of his low lows of mental health and when he actually got to the point of trying to commit suicide or almost dying by suicide. So very heavy, very powerful. And I put that out there at the beginning of the episode, because if this audio quality is too bad and you skip this one, you might still want to listen to that in preparation for next week, where we will hear from Michael McRae. But for this week, Devin Villacampa fills us in on where he's at in his artistic pursuits, where he is in life and with the challenges he's faced with anxiety and the perspective he's gained through therapy and through father time. Time heals all wounds, and it's really fascinating to me, even at the ripe young age of uh, 28 now, to see how perspective changes with age. So to hear how things have changed for Devin Villacampa in just a year and a half, but a young, eventful, fast-changing year and a half, please enjoy what you can make out of the audio of this interview and this catch-up. Here we go. Yeah, thank you, Devin, for being up for talking again. No problem. It was a pleasure, you know, when we had you on the podcast, I think it was a year and a half ago. Was it like late 2016? Yeah. Yeah. And so surely there's a lot to update us on, a lot to hear about, you know, how your mental health and work and art have unfolded and follow up on some things we talked about with family and some of your challenges. So yeah, I mean, it, from exchanging emails, it sounds like things are pretty good and there have been some updates in those areas. And um, then, you know, also this is a chance to, to share anything new or anything you want to talk about. Sounds good. Between bird calls. So, <laughs> um, so what are you uh, working on nowadays? What are you, do, what are you up to? Yeah, um, I mean, since last year, I started to uh, actually pursue um, getting therapy and like really focusing on that. A lot of the time, uh, like I did pursue getting therapy in the past like, through college and high school. But um, it was really the kind of thing where um, I don't think I was really in the clear state of mind at the time. Because I feel like as I was kind of going through those growing pains, so to speak, I wasn't really as capable of, you know, articulating what I was feeling and really coming to an understanding of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now that I'm getting older, I'm definitely more capable of like, you know, kind of looking at back at like past experiences and sort of like compartmentalizing it and being like, okay, like this happened, this caused that. And when you're kind of like connecting A to B, I think that gives you, you know, sort of a better sense of your identity. And I think with that, that really enabled me to go back to getting counseling and get more of like, you know, more result out of it because yeah. I think I just had more of, you know, a grounded sense of like what I was going through. Yeah. What type of counseling has it been and what was like the catalyst to, to try it again? Yeah. Um, it was just, it's basically just one-on-one -on -one, um, counseling with um, a therapist, like mainly just for anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, what really, uh, you know, sort of was the catalyst for it was um, after I left college, I was kind of just able to like look back at those four years and just kind of realize like how disassociated I was during that time period. Cause like a lot of a time when you're, in sort of this like very trapped confined kind of environment you just kind of lose the perspective of like you know really like what's going on on the outside of that and like mm -hmm. the, the whole world isn't just this like you know bubble that you're living in right so right. um you know after sort of getting out of college i really had the chance to kind of like look back at everything that had happened and really reach the conclusion that like you know now that i'm kind of you know out of these like other experiences that i've had in my life it might be time to really just kind of like focus on myself and really see if I can like get a better understanding of like, you know, these issues that I have and how I can overcome them. Yeah. 
And about the specific issues, uh, you shared that you actually got a diagnosis? I did. Um, yeah. I was actually diagnosed with um, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm -hmm. which made a lot of sense. Like, um, I have a few close friends who I actually did tell after the diagnosis. And, you know, with a lot of them knowing sort of like my background and what I've been through, um, a lot of them said, like, you know, Devin, like, I wouldn't have expected that just because, like, you don't you don't come across in that way. But at the same time, like that makes sense, just like knowing what you've been through. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people, like a lot of people resist labels. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think um, labels in a way can be helpful in the sense that like if you're going through this like mess of feelings for a long time, if you don't have a way to properly, you know, identify what you're going through, you just sort of like start to blame yourself. And it becomes just this like mis misshapen lump of like, abstract feelings that you can't really put into words so just like you know having a label and saying like oh you know like this is something that other people suffer from and like you're not completely yeah. you know divorced from the human race right like you're right. actually part of like what other people are like actually going through so having a label but realizing there's a lot more to you and it certainly doesn't encapsulate yeah. you yeah no that, that makes a lot of sense and i'm glad it gave you you know some self-understanding that's really cool um you still you said you're working with therapists you know on anxiety related issues. I remember when we talked before you said you would sometimes have this experience, which I think probably more people than you might know would relate to of, yeah. you know, like having feeling like a lot of tension in your chest, feeling like if you're in a situation where you could be clammy, you might be feel like you're mumbling, might feel like not very confident in your voice. Oh yeah. Um, how, Story of my that, life. What? Story of my life, I was going to say. <laughs> Do you feel like that's changed? Do you feel like your relationship to it's changed or is it just something you deal with? Um, I mean, I think like, you know, it's not something that like goes away overnight and it's definitely something I deal with um, on an ongoing basis. But I think I have um, had a lot of experiences recently where I've kind of just been like, you know, on the outside looking in, I really have to realize like there's nothing like jarringly off-putting about me that is going to like, you know, repel other people because right. you know because <laughs> uh go, like growing up through middle school um i was really instilled with this sense of like self-loathing through a lot of like the bullying that i went through that yeah. really like not only just like made me like doubt myself but just made me feel like so different than, than other people you know because like i would see people every day at school and i would just feel like i had like nothing in common with like the way they saw the world or the way that like they were like feeling in general so just the fact that um you know, when I look at situations now, I'm really trying to just kind of like from the outside looking in, really just kind of try to assess like, you know, like I have the confidence and the ability to like maneuver these situations and just try to like take risks and just kind of like believe in myself a little more before, you know, I allow that feeling to like yeah clamp me up. You know, you, yeah. you need to kind of have like an outside voice just to like reassure yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, getting older and getting a better idea of who you are. I imagine just the more experiences you have, the more you start to internalize, like, you know, I went through this situation or this interaction and it felt a little uncomfortable but i went through it and it was fine yeah and i guess just repetition 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 eventually might help for yeah, some people definitely um but uh no that's that's good was the bullying that you mentioned was that just following up on what we talked about with like not being the hygiene and stuff like uh your mom not really like teaching you those habits was it related to that or did it go deeper um i think that was definitely the uh the catalyst for it i mean when I was growing up, um, you know, I definitely did struggle a lot with like issues with personal hygiene. 
Um, and in school, obviously, like that led to a lot of people um, either not wanting to spend time with me or just like outright viciously bullying me. Um, like, you know, as that like spiraled out of control, you know, like all the credits, like all the adults in my life that like, you know, tried to help me. But at the end of the day, I was just like dealing with this on a daily basis. And I was instilled with such this sense mm -hmm. of depersonalization and feeling like I just didn't have anything in common with the world around me. And like, I was 13 years old at that time. So, you know, that's really the time where um, a lot of people, uh, you know, develop sort, sort of a sense of identity, like their sort of like social standing and how to like maneuver situations around people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I really did miss out on that because I was just so retreated into this shell. Um, and I also feel like to make those matters like even worse, I think I became very good at faking it. Like, I think I became very good at sort of like being able to fake conversations as I got older, uh, even though I was having this like volcanic. Faking, what do you mean by faking conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think um, after going through that for so long, even though even if I was having some kind of like volcanic, like anxiety inducing meltdown inside my body, I would just um, I went through it for so long that I just became so hardened that I was still able to just kind of like fake conversations with in an anxious state where yeah. people would come up to me and be like, oh, hi, Devin, what's up? And like, you know, through smiling or like just kind of casually maneuvering the situation in a way where it still resembled a real conversation, but I just didn't feel entirely present in it. Yeah. And that sort of became like my defense mechanism. Uh, but at the same time, it came with the risk of like nobody was really able to discern how like messed up like internally i really was that's really interesting so when you say faking conversation you mean like you you went through the motions and you did the conversation thing but you didn't feel like it was necessarily your truest most present self do yeah it was kind of like a creation rather than like a real vulnerability yeah i mean i almost felt like i was kind of like mirroring the person across from me in a way like you know they would sort of like give me like body motions or like right. conversations and i would just kind of be like oh yeah that's great wow like look at that and i would just kind of you know do like the bare minimum of what i could to like not be construed as somebody who is off-putting but be construed as somebody like you know even if it comes off as an incredibly boring and like yeah. mundane conversation yeah. at least i'm like not being singled out as somebody who is like different yeah was that pleasing coming from a place of just fear of vulnerability or what do you think was behind it? Um, I think a lot of the time I was just like so viciously hounded upon growing up that it was just like my natural defense mechanism, you know, just like sort of put a wall around you. Like it yeah. wasn't really a, a conscious thought, I felt like. It was kind of just like, you know, I need some kind of defense in the situation and this is naturally what my body is going to do. Like it became less, um, less mental and much more sort of like physical as like the immediate reaction that I did with no real thought going into it. Right. That makes sense. Cause I remember you saying in our first interview that your first thought upon meeting anyone would just be like, how might this person hurt me? And yeah. so I could see that fear just really making it hard to interact in the ways you would want, you would hope to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, it, it just became really hard to look somebody in the eyes and just like, yeah you know, trust them in a way that I had, like, when I was a little kid, you know, because, like, when you're a little kid, you just kind of, like, immediately assume, like, people want to talk to you, and you don't immediately assume, like, right. mean-spiritedness. Um, right. That's such an interesting thing with little kids, I feel like, how they'll just, like, with no inhibition kind of engage with people. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, you know, I think, like, people... So, you know, some people say like people are born good and they turn evil. I, mean, I don't think it's like that black and white, but I think right. kids are definitely born, you know, as much more of like a, a clean, their kids are a clean slate, you know? Yeah. 
certainly, you know, malleable. And I guess like anything that's counterproductive that is learned, they haven't learned yet. Yeah. So if, if we're learning social anxiety or worrying too much about what people think of us, they haven't oh, learned yeah. that yet. Well, it's like, it's crazy. Like, it's almost like trippy sometimes, like looking back at my childhood and just kind of seeing, um, like remembering how I would look at people and not feel immediately frightened. Like I can remember not feeling that, but like, I, I just haven't been able to like really replicate those feelings, um, around like, you know, strangers or new people I meet since I was like, you know, six, seven years old. Yeah. I, you said, I think that you, the anxiety really started around like second grade. Oh yeah. Um, was there a moment or was it something that you can't pinpoint? Um, I mean, I think there were definitely shades of it in second grade, but I think like when like the severe bullying started in middle school, like that's really where it started to really take off. Yeah. Um, that's where I really just started to like retreat into myself and have this constant um, like voice in my head basically telling me that like, you know, um, you're not of this earth, you know, you don't have anything in common like with the people around you. Yeah. To catch people off who... Uh don't remember or didn't listen to the first episode when we when we interviewed you you had some real challenges with just the way you were socialized and your mom you know sticking you in front of the disney movie um yeah. rather than getting a, a lot of you know normal social interaction yeah and so those you know issues obviously started to manifest did you want to say more on that yeah um I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say, like, whether or not I was, like, as socially exposed as I could have been when I was a kid. Um, I do think because of my parents' divorce and what they were going through, um, you know, like, all the credit to, like, everyone in my family who, like, like, from the bottom of their heart, like, did everything they could to help me. And, like, you know, they did. I, I would be, like, completely lost if it wasn't for them. Um, it's just at the end of the day, like, you know, when a kid um, is isolated and doesn't have, like, an immediate support system... Uh, you know, they naturally start to blame themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I was dealing with. Yeah. Is it weird for you at all being outside? Like, yeah, this is, but for people who are just listening, this is the first interview I've done outside. So it's <laughs> definitely an experiment. Break but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks to you. Um, but I wanted to follow up on that with just asking um, the family situation now. And, um, you know, you had a super distant relationship with your mom. Uh, any changes there or any like effort on her part? Um, well, I mean, I think there definitely is effort um, on her part um, to, you know, reform that relationship. And, you know, I certainly uh, don't blame her. Um, but, you know, I think I'm definitely at a period in my life where I'm just kind of, you know, regaining um, a sense of who I am. Um, you know, I'm not really sure where that part of my life fits, fits into that at this point. Right. Um, so it's, you know, it's just not something I am. Um, at this point in my life, I'm really ready to uh, ready to deal with. Right, right. At what age did that divorce happen? I was um, seven years old when it happened. Okay. So I, I think like that's like a lot of actually therapists say that's a really bad age for it to happen because that's when kids, you know, they're smart enough to know what's going on but not completely understand it. Mm -hmm. They're at this like really weird limbo in between, where you know like they understand like you know my parents are splitting up because they have issues but they can't like. They can't completely understand it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. No, that's certainly. I guess any age would have its challenges, but yeah. I can see that. Um, and so now you're in a situation where pretty similar terms with family members as it was when we last talked. Yeah. But this developing sense of who you are. You did a few things artistically that you know were were you know expressed and 
like actualized when you were in college as far as writing plays that were performed. Oh yeah. Um, this book, is this kind of a, does it feel like something new, like breaking new ground as far as putting something artistically out there bigger than what you've done before? Um, I think, I mean, you know, I'm working on a pretty big project right now and I think it's definitely symbolic of, um, me no longer doubting myself artistically. Uh -huh. um, because when I was in college, I went through this really weird existential crisis where um, basically uh, I entered this like weird playwriting scholarship contest um, and the mm -hmm. judge critiqued my play and right. basically told me like you, if you can't like relate to other human beings, like you shouldn't bother writing. Right, that's and, what you mentioned yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, you know, like anyone can take criticism, but I think there's just like, there's triggers where if things right. are put in a certain perspective by people with a certain degree of authority, right. they will just like shatter your entire world. Cause like for the first time, really like my safe Haven, you know, if the guy just told me like, yo, like your play is bad and this is like objectively, objectively what's wrong with it. Like I wouldn't have cared, you know, right. I'm, I'm fine with taking like criticism. I was going to say like, it's one thing to criticize the work and another to criticize the person. Oh yeah. And it just like, it really just like drove a knife into my gut and really just like, contributed i think to the depersonalization that i really went through in college um but i mean i definitely do credit myself in the sense that like you know i definitely could have just like stopped writing after that and like done something bizarre like take up business <laughs> or something yeah. um but, you know i didn't i think because um writing is just like something that is so personal to me um and i've even had therapists tell me like Devin, you know if you weren't like creating art and you weren't writing like where do you think you would be right now and i always give them the same answer like i tell them if that was the case, I wouldn't be me. You know, that's an unanswerable question. Like, I would be somebody else. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you do you have any insight on, like, why that could have happened? That's something I was kind of wondering that I didn't ask before. With that judge, like, it seems so extreme to go to talk about, to, like, take you down as a person and yeah. say something like you can't relate to people. Like, did y'all have any weird experience before that? Or was there any sign that this judge like had something against you um, well, it, it really was, um, out of left field it was completely impersonal so like you know th these are people we didn't even know they were just like okay. sent away. You, so you had just met them um we didn't even meet them they were all like done uh oh like completely blind and it was written well, on that paper. just makes it even weirder like how, yeah. how could he say anything about you as a person exactly yeah it was just so weird um i mean like the play itself was bad like it, like, it wasn't a good play sure I completely yeah admit right that. and i and i would think you know if he had said the play is bad that's that's Fair, I guess. Yeah, like but, thumbs up to you, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just still baffles me, of yeah. uh, of, of like uh, inferring from the play, I guess, something about you as a human. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think a lot of my work during that time period was really ambivalent of like me doubting myself. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was really interested in um, in writing plays, but I think the biggest difficulty I had with that was the fact that you're telling people and actors to behave in a certain way on stage that like replicates humanity. Um, you know, when I'm writing prose or like writing a book, like that sort of comes much more naturally to me because I'm in a character's thoughts. I'm like writing the texture and the color of what they're thinking. And I feel much more natural in that mm. environment. because The like, internal world. Yeah, like the internal world. Where a play world. is just the external world. Exactly. And like to me, um, you know, people obviously think differently, but like to me, the internal thoughts of what people are thinking um, is just generally like more interesting to me of like what the behavior is showing on the outside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's like naturally where I feel more comfortable, but I just decided like, hey, you know, I'll take a crack at this and see what happens. And it obviously didn't go very well. Well, yeah, but you, uh, you know, you were trying and I think like, yeah, inevitably when you start anything, writing or anything else, it's, it's not very good at first. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that process myself now. Um, so, do you, what, do you, what would you say are like the, the big things that 
are like on your mind nowadays, like as far as whether it's mental health or your project? Um, what are your like big goals right now? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's like definitely sort of like the artistic uh, pursuits of what I'm doing. That's like definitely my, uh, you know, what's I'm really, really focused on. Um, other than that, you know, um, I think I've been through a lot of my life and I'm just kind of like taking it a step at a time, just kind of, you know, learning to be comfortable with myself. And, um, you know, like I don't, I can't say I have this like, you know, 10 year plan ahead of me of like, right. I don't think anybody wants no, that question. No. <laughs> um, but I, I feel, um, I feel like I don't really need that at this point. You know, I'm just mm -hmm. kind of taking it a day, um, day on a day by day basis and just kind of dealing with issues um, as they come. And, you know, I can definitely say like, you know, right now, um, I'm not like at a hundred percent, but I'm definitely um, at a better state than I've been in the last like 10 years. I would say. Very cool. Yeah. And you would, uh, are there areas other than therapy you would attribute that to? Have there been anything, has there been, have there been any reframes or any uh, events that have just really made a positive impact? You know, it, it's hard to say. I think a lot of it has just um, been less specific events and more just kind of me like getting older and just kind of being able to look back at all of these different experiences. Um, I actually did work as a, um, a special education aide um, at a school for like severely um, autistic adults. Okay. Um, yeah, and that really did. Um, adults? A school for adults? Well, yeah, like young adults. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that definitely did provide me like a, a big sense of, you know, gratitude for, you know, like the ability to um, communicate that I have because, you know, those, these kids are um, really struggle with like just being able to convey themselves. And I think I saw a lot of myself in those kids. And I think being able to, you know, um, support them during that time period in my life really, um, Get, you know, gave me a pretty strong sense of, um, you know, empathy uh, towards other people that I think really helped me, um, you know, overcome those like past demons. Yeah. Empathy toward other people and then empathy toward those people struggling with what maybe yeah. you struggled with. Do you feel like you almost have an eye for a kid who doesn't totally feel comfortable in his skin or maybe uh, isn't totally present in the conversation? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think... Um, if people are sort of out of place and like at a party or a conversation, like I can normally like tell very care very well that people are not entirely comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I tend to look for those people, right. you know, rather than someone who's like loud and flamboyant and yeah, like, you yeah. know, controlling the room. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause you know, I, I, yeah, I think that definitely, um, just those are the people that I'm more naturally drawn to. Mm -hmm. Right. That's cool. Do you, are you like, uh, do you go out much? Do you like, uh, do social stuff like that you kind of drew this analogy in a party setting do you do you, do you do that type of stuff um you know like when i'm with my friends like i don't mind like going to the bar you know like getting a beer or something yeah um you know at the end of the day like i'm not the kind of person that's like going to go into like a loud crowd of people right. who i don't know right. you know if it's just like me like two of my friends like hanging out somewhere like i'm totally cool with that it's like when it starts like escalating like this friend brings this random person i don't know then it's like seven random people yeah i mean uh you know just like having a personal relationship where I can just kind of like, you know, talk to people, hang out. Um, you know, I'm not big on like hanging out in a circle of like 10 people getting drunk. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just like a very chill, like reserved kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because I know like the social thing can be tricky. And when I felt depressed, I feel like it's the last thing I want to do, but it has also been helpful sometimes, even as kind of an introvert. Um, yeah. I feel like I've gone through a lot of what I was wondering. I, I think we did too. I <laughs> written down. You, you said, you know, when you were younger and dealing with some of the challenges you did in school, facing some bullying, facing some teachers and other people yeah. um, coming down hard on you, that it seemed very like 
people didn't want to really get in depth with you and understand what was going on. It just seemed kind of like they wanted to solve the, the problem. Yeah. Um, do you um, do you feel like you've been able to through like through therapy has that provided like a contrast and approach toward what you're dealing with? Um, I, I think it definitely has. Like like I said earlier, um, it just kind of convinced me to you know just take a step back and really look at issues from like an outside lens, I think, mm. cause you know, you really have to view yourself as like, you know, how, what's, how would somebody else like with no judgment or prior experience of dealing with you, like view you in this situation. And like most of the time, like nobody has an opinion on you before they meet you, you know? So you just kind of like have to believe that. I mean, like, you know, looking back at um, a lot of uh, the experiences that I had, like with even, I feel there were a lot of adults that I'm still like justifiably angry with. Because I feel like um, in seventh grade, especially, I was like, um, I'm not angry at like anyone in my family because like they were very like supportive. I felt like of what I was going through. It was the teachers, um, especially, that I am never going to forgive, honestly. Because one of them actually came up to me in the hallway one day. Like you have to understand, I was like totally disheveled in my appearance. In my appearance, I wasn't really like showering or anything. And she said, like Devin, like you're failing this class right now. Do you understand that you're failing? And I. I was on the verge of tears and I said, yes. She said, okay, have fun failing. She walked away. I'll never forget that. Wow. Yeah, you, I mean, you also mentioned that you had like some anger that hadn't really like come out yeah. just from everything you've been through. You feel like that's come out at all? Or like, how, what's your relationship to, yeah. relationship to it now? It's hard to say because like I, I'm not an angry person. Right. Um, you don't strike me as super <laughs> enraged, but <laughs> you know, I... Uh, but I mean, has that just, uh, do you still feel it there? Like, do you feel like there's stuff that's unresolved or? I feel like I have a lot of brooding anger, but I just don't like to hurt other people. That's just like the core of who I am. Like, mm. I'm just not a malevolent person. Like, mm. no matter what anyone has done to me, like, I can always see things from other people's point of view. And I always like ask questions about like what put them in this kind of experience. Like, in a way, like, it's kind of annoying because I wish I could just sort of like express pure, like unadulterated right. anger. Right. But it's just like, it's not really a part of who I am. Yeah. Like you can see that it would feel good, but you, you're just naturally very concerned with like other people's feelings. I am. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. if someone like gets in the way of my family, like that's when you'll see like the, the claws <laughs> come out, I guess, so to <laughs> yeah. speak. You could go to one of those rooms where you can just like break stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> in Pinocchio when they go to like Pleasure Island and just like trash the, uh, trash the room or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that always looked like it could be fun. And so then, like, when we were talking before, you were talking about how that, like, really problem-solution-focused approach um, didn't r quite work for you and also seemed to send the message that it's not okay to feel down sometimes, that it's not okay to, like, sit with something kind of hard. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, do you still feel similarly that you'd like to see mental health, like, more um, more willingness to just like deal with what comes and deal with negative emotions that come up um, and accept them rather than just like shun them or has your perspective shifted at all? Um, I think my perspective is that like happiness I don't think is really attainable. Mm -hmm. I think it's really just a matter of like, you know, accepting that life isn't going to be entirely good or entirely bad. Um, you just kind of have to like accept things and like learn to see to see the good in the bad, I think. Mm -hmm. um, this is a weird sort of tangent, but there's an episode of a South Park where um, I think like Butters has this quote where he's out like crying in the rain. He says something like, 
um, you know, like uh, even when I'm sad, I'm um, I'm still happy because like I'm happy that I was like able to feel sad, which I think like really butters. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> you know, it's like a completely <laughs> like funny, like you know, joke of a show. But I thought yeah. that quote was actually like pretty deep. Yeah, I I would agree with that. The ability to like take something you normally shun and characterize as bad and feel it, like let it be there. Yeah, I think I don't know. For me, I think when I uh, try and like get away from those feelings, it almost amplifies them. It makes things worse. Yeah. So do you feel like, uh, do you have any outlets other than creativity, writing? Do you have anything that's like, feels like a cathartic release for you? Um, that's sort of like my, my go-to. So it's, it's hard to say, but yeah. um, you know, I do, um, I indoor rock climb actually on the weekends. I, I like, um, I don't really like going to a gym with like a bunch of other people around me, just kind of like repetitively doing the same thing yeah. over and over. You know, I, I like sort of like the, the i guess like the adventure of just kind of like climbing a wall where it's just like like you. less less structure kind yeah of. less structure and less just sort of like monotonous and it's it's more fun too it makes you feel like you know like you're a kid again I guess. doing something yeah oh yeah and a kid yeah that's cool yeah because i feel like that's it's almost like uh playing a ball sport where you're running can feel less gruesome than just running yeah exactly <laughs> i can understand that when you're like in a real like flow state when you're working on something when you're writing is there do you feel like the state shift for yourself do you feel like yourself go into a different uh feeling oh yeah i mean like you know it definitely takes a while to like get into the zone sometimes but like you know once i'm writing and i'm like in that zone where i'm just like feeling the characters and what's happening like i'm not thinking about anything else except like what's going on in the scene it's like every other facet of my life just like isn't there Mm -hmm. at all so are you writing most days? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, like, I'm the kind of person where I'll, like, compulsively, like, pull out my phone and people think that I'm texting, but I'm just, like, <laughs> literally writing on, like, the note the note app on the, the Google uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, that's cool. Just inherently enjoying it. Yeah. It's really I mean, when I was a kid, I just, like, I carried, like, notebooks around. Yeah. Where I just, like, I mindlessly just, like, scribbled, like, nonsense. Right, right. Yeah, and you, you talk about, like, that's just something you need to do. Oh, yeah. It's just very, like, inherent to you. Yeah, it's, like... Um, I feel so weird, like giving advice to writers because I am not in that position to do that whatsoever. Yeah. But um, something I do believe in is like, if you want to write, um, it's going to be a lot harder for you than somebody who needs to write. Mm. Because you know, if you want to do something, just because like, oh, you know, it would be cool to write a story. I have this like idea, and I just want to get it on paper. Like, you know, maybe eventually, like, you'll finish it and you'll get it down. But if you need to write, like nothing is going to stop you. Like mm-hmm. that first person might eventually have a moment where they're like, oh, you know, I have other priorities in my life. There's other stuff that I have to handle. But if you need to do something and like have that passion, like nothing is going to stop you. Right. Cool, man. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on or talk about? Um, I think that covers it unless you have anything else like glaring no. that stands out to you. No, just cool to hear, you know, how things have changed, get like snapshots in time yeah. um, versus last time. And um, congrats on, you know, seeming like you're in a pretty healthy place yeah it's like good to hear you say that too because like you know a lot of the time like you say these things to yourself and like when someone else says it it's a lot more um you start to believe it more you know yeah 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 i hear you cool thank you yeah no problem (laughs) and cut all right that is it for my talk with devin villacampa a very short episode a very short catch-up but it's always good to hear from someone who's been on the podcast before and it's especially good to hear from someone who has made gains in their mental health journey who feels like they can now feel a little freer and a little happier 
and look back on their life and look forward to their future with just a little more perspective. Perspective that comes with age, perspective that comes very quickly as we're growing quickly, and still could come as we grow. I'm 28 now, and I'm endlessly fascinated by how perspective changes as time goes on. Every year, it changes a lot for me, at least as far as my outlook on the world and myself and the journeys I've been on, and I'm just excited and curious and intrigued about how it'll go into the future and you know what I'll think when I look back on even this what I'm recording right now in 10 years or in five years even in one year even maybe tomorrow <laughs> you never know my grandparents have a uh, decorative pillow with a saying on it that says I'm not young enough to know everything and I really like that because I've definitely had the experience of being, you know, a brash kid in his early 20s. I guess you saw it thinking he knows everything, thinking he knows how the world works, being kind of cocky and then being humbled. And the journeys I've been on, what I've gone through in the last, uh, I guess, decade, I don't know, life in the life. <laughs> I am just continually widening my perspective, looking back, seeing my blind spots in the past and wondering, what are my blind spots now? I know they're there. I know there's something. What am I going to think in five years? What am I going to think into the future? And how will my perspective shift? I guess we never have it figured out. You know, I talked about this with AJ in the interview last week. We sometimes are tempted to think we have it figured out. We eventually grow out of thinking we have it figured out. And I don't know if we ever really do have it figured out, but we keep trying. We keep growing. We keep getting more and more perspective. And so I hope that hearing from Devin Villacampa, if you stuck with this interview and listened through, was illuminating of how that can shift and was inspiring of you on your journeys and your pursuits and your reflection and introspection to allow the human experience to unfold, basically. I don't know. I mean, it's not as if there's much to do with that. This process of aging and gaining perspective is just something that happens. So yeah, there's not really a takeaway. There's not really a lesson even. It's just interesting stuff to me. Very interesting. So much thanks to Devin Villacampa for sharing his story, not once, but twice on this podcast. Very grateful to him and for everyone who shares vulnerably on this podcast, what they're going through. Because I know many of you out there Get something out of hearing other people be vulnerable. Get something out of just listening when people are at their most vulnerable and seeing what they have to share and how relatable it is because we live in a world where we're putting on these faces and you know deciding what side of ourselves we show this person and that person and the public and to be able to just show up as we are. To share whatever's going on, be honest about it, be vulnerable with it, it frees others up to do the same and to realize a lot of this stuff we have in common. A lot of these struggles are not unique. And the more we talk about it, the more it becomes normalized, the more we realize we're all a little crazy and the more we can move on with our crazy lives. So uh, yeah, stoked to keep doing that. Next week, the interview with Michael McRae will be longer, will be better audio quality, and will be great. Michael McRae is a deep guy. 
I would recommend going back and listening to at least just the Michael McRae portion of that listener-based podcast where he first showed up, where he shares his story because it's a powerful story. And I'm really excited next week to get into it in more depth and share it with you. So until then, have a great week. Wishing you all the best and talk to you next Thursday.